The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. Welcome to Board with Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. You can think of us as the Filch and Nez of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of PS- the PSVG Podcast Network and thrilled to be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I am one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy who pilfers cheese better than anyone I know. Josh, how are you doing this evening? Well, as I get older, I can't eat as much cheese as I used to like, so that's one thing I can address right away. <laughs> well, who can, right? Who can? <laughs> well, it's still a bummer. Uh, yeah, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, two days of podcasting in a row, you know, we're, uh, we're crushing it. Three days. Three, Three days, days in a row. Two days. Three days Hopefully. in a row. We're hardcore. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And you know what? While Filch and Nez do make a great duo to explore the castle with, it's the fearless leader, Colin, who can turn this duo into a trio and lead that trio to victory. Filling the third chair for us this week is designer of such games as Mice and Mystics, Stuff Fables, Tail Feathers, Comanauts, Battlelands, and Aftermath, Jerry Hawthorne. Welcome to the podcast, sir. Howdy, folks. <laughs> so, Jerry, we are absolutely <laughs> thrilled to have greeting. you. <laughs> We're super thrilled to have you, and you know, for, just so you know, usually our podcast is a little bit about board games and a little bit about video games. Obviously, all of our board game listeners are going to know who you are, but for maybe our video game people, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, uh, my name is Jerry Hawthorne, and I am a board game designer. I work for Plat Hat Games. Um, before that, I uh, did a little bit of work on the side for Hasbro. Uh, I worked on... Um, Games like HeroScape and um, and the Dungeons and Dragons um, version of HeroScape, and um, I kind of specialize in story games, like games um, that are have a lot of narrative to them and stuff. And um, most of my games that I work on are like uh, directed at sort of families. Like I, I intend the families to play the games together. So awesome. Well, we really appreciate you being here, and we look forward to jumping into an interview here in just a second. But obviously, as podcasts do, we have a little bit of housekeeping to take care of. So thanks so much for joining us this week, everyone. As always, if you have any feedback, questions, or suggested topics, hit us up at Board with VG on Twitter, or check out all of the postings over on the Instagram, also Board with VG. We are a proud part of Play Some Video Games, and PSVG is on Patreon. We are absolutely thrilled with the support you have given us there thus far. And if you'd like to monetarily support what we do, you can find us there at patreon.com slash PSVG. But the most important thing is just that you listen and maybe share our show with someone else who you think would enjoy it. We're also a member of the Dice Tower Podcast Network. So if you enjoy our conversations about board games and would like to dive deeper into that world, we encourage you to check out the Dice Tower Podcast as well as all the other members of the network. No matter what type of board games you enjoy, there's a podcast on the network that is right for you. So enough of that stuff. We are so lucky to have Jerry on the show with us this week. So we're going to take a little bit of time to get to know him, his games, the industry, all of that stuff. So, Jerry, I think most people seem to assume that your first game was Mice and Mystics. Uh, but you did talk a little bit about how you were doing some stuff prior to that. How did you get into designing board games? 
Well, I sort of uh, always tinkered around with board games. When I was a kid, I discovered uh, Dungeons and Dragons. And one of the first things I did, one of the very first things I did was uh, create my own space version of Dungeons and Dragons that only me and my friends played. And later on, you know, they came out with uh, different space uh, role-playing games and stuff. But at the time, Dungeons and Dragons was like the thing. It was like the the pinnacle of uh, of, of cool games. And so I naturally wanted to like, uh, you know, tinker around with that. And so that's what I did. I was always the game master. I was always a dungeon master. And uh, so I just started tinkering around with games then. Um, and I just have, have always done that. Uh, later on, after after I got out of the military and um, I, uh, you know, I settled down with this uh, young lady who uh, eventually became my first wife and stuff. Uh, when we were young and, and, and had friends and stuff coming over to the house, um, we would play uh, Hero Hero Quest, and so um, the you know the old Milton Bradley game mm-hmm. Hero Quest, and um, I would just write all these adventures for us, and then we would go on these uh, Hero Quest adventures. I'd make new characters and stuff. Uh, one of the first things I did is uh, uh, I made female versions of all the characters so that the the, the women that we were uh, gaming with they would have representation there, and um, so I think just the the natural tinkering was always just there. Nice. So uh, I got into HeroScape because I was looking for a game to play with my nephews. I'm like mm-hmm. that uncle that always buys board games as gifts and stuff, you know. And so um, I found HeroScape. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll play this with my nephews. And um, and then I ended up liking it way more than <laughs> – I mean, my nephews loved it and everything. But, like, <laughs> you know, I'm a board game hobbyist. So I, like, fell in love with HeroScape. And um, – I actually, uh, I actually started like you know really, really uh, connecting with uh, Craig Van Ness and Rob Davio and the people who created HeroScape. Um, one of the creators of HeroScape, his name is Stephen Baker. He was also uh, the creator of HeroQuest. So there's like this huge connection for me there, and um, I was able to, back in these days, before social media. Um, you would have like every website would be, there'd be a game would have a website and they would have a little forum and then you'd have, you know, whatever you're interested in, you'd belong to the little forum. Well, I joined this forum for HeroScape and I actually met Rob Davio and Craig Van Ness online. And um, I ended up becoming a, an admin at that website and they invited me to become a play tester. And that's basically how it started. Um, and, you know, HeroScape took off and it was really popular for a while. And um, I was hugely involved uh, in in all the releases of of, of HeroScape behind the scenes, and uh, I just fell in love with the whole process. So, um, how do you get from you know being a admin and doing some play testing on HeroScape? How do you get from there to joining Plaid Hat? Okay, so we were um, HeroScape became really super popular there for a little while. And um, it was a lot of, there was a workload. It was a huge workload. And um, Craig Van Ness, um, you know, kind of sort of asked if we knew anybody else who would like to join the playtest team. We needed to, like, thicken up the playtest team. And uh, there was this young, enthusiastic uh, kid that was, like, all over our, our forums and our website, you know, and uh, just creating stuff, uh, creating the, their own custom things. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the HeroScape uh, culture, but back then there is this, this this game HeroScape was like it was very open ended and it was uh, it was a genre smashing sort of thing, so people would make their own custom content for it, 
And it was a huge celebration. We would share these custom contents. We would play them in, in our houses and stuff. And, you know, you want to have, you know, Neo from the Matrix in your game. Well, you just make him and put him in there. And we we sort of fostered this culture. Uh, and uh, Colby Dalk, who is the president of Flat Hat Games, he was one of the most active and most talented young uh creative people on on the forums and so i nominated him to become a play tester for for uh heroescape and he met all the people behind the scenes on heroescape and he just charmed them and they saw all of his talent and stuff and so they started throwing a lot of work his way um and we made a lot of we made a lot of stuff together we made a lot of games together games that were never released by hasbro we worked on games that that were released like uh, battleship galaxies and um we just worked on tons of stuff for uh, for Hasbro behind the scenes, and then um, uh, Colby started designing his own game called Summoner Wars. Yeah, and um, he decided to try to get Hasbro to uh, to publish it, but Hasbro didn't want to didn't want to publish something that had its own unique IP, and so uh, he just self funded and um, started his own game company. And I think he fairly fairly quickly realized that you you really can't have a game company with just one game. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, I had started working on a little project of my own and he was really interested in it. And he asked me to, uh, to show him a prototype and he gave me about a six month, uh, you know, time frame to, to, to finalize that prototype and show it to him. And that was Mice and Mystics. Wow. So I'll ask one more and then I'll <laughs> let Josh butt in here too. So Mice and Mystics, obviously, I know you've talked about this before and have shared uh, the, the history of kind of where that game came from prior. But for some of our listeners who may not have heard it, do you mind sharing kind of what was the onus for Mice and Mystics, why you created it and where that all came from? Yeah, sure. Um, uh, so my daughter uh, was, was little when I was working on this stuff and she was struggling to learn how to read. And we were deeply concerned um, because – she seemed to be really, really interested in like, like she was really interested in books and stuff and, 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 and all kinds of media and fantasy stuff and everything. But she would, when she would lay down and start reading and stuff with us, her leg would start kicking and she'd get real fidgety and uh, she would just get really upset and she was really struggling. And so I thought that maybe if I like the things that she was into, maybe, I, maybe the, just the, the material that we were presenting her with wasn't uh, presented the right way, or maybe it wasn't the, the right kind of thing. So she was really into mice at the time. We had a couple of pet mice and she just wanted everything mice. Uh, like uh, we, we bought stuffed animals for her. They had to be mice and she was all into mice. And so I started buying books and stuff to read with her about mice, like red wall and uh, mouse guard and mouse Templar and all this stuff, you know, things with pictures, things without pictures, you know, trying different things. And then I thought, I had been reading some stuff about like how to help a child who's struggling learning how to read by breaking up the reading moments with other activities, especially activities that involve some sort of physical dexterity. So I started thinking, well, I love games, right? Maybe I'll like create a little game where we would have some dice rolling and some we could play out the activities that are happening in the story so she can kind of see that connection, but it would also break up those reading moments into little chunks. And so... I started creating this game that involved a little bit of reading and a little bit of gameplay and a little bit of reading and a little bit of gameplay. And that's basically, I decided to make it about mice because she loved, um, she loves mice. And so that's just how Mice and Mystics came about. I, I think that story is so very cool because I think we often think of games as 
oh, this is a thing I sit down to play with my friends, and they just, somebody just had a thing they wanted to make. But I, at a part, I think one of the reasons my submissive resonates so much with me is knowing that story behind it. And I just, I don't know, every time I play it, and I play it with my partner quite often, she also, like, there's just something so cool about knowing the onus of where this came from, the desire for what it was about to create. Um, I know way back, I think kind of how we started talking about having you on is we did our top 10 board games of the decade and my Mystics was my number two, uh, just because like that is a game that we always sit down. At, well, I mean, yeah. and, it, and it, I mean, you know, that of winner was my number one. So really Plat Hat <laughs> representing, Plat wow, Hat representing big awesome. time. Um, but like, I just, I don't know, something warms my heart every time I sit down to play my Mystics, knowing that story behind it. Um, because I think, yeah, I think games are really powerful, and I, I think that's just a very, um, yeah, I, it just moves me every time I play it. So thank you for sharing that. Thanks, man. I say you're you're over there like wiping your eyes and everything. <laughs> did you get a little bit of did you get a little verklempt there? He's, he's never emotional like this. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, that's not even true. You know it. <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm a firm believer that like. Um, uh, not just art, but like I, I'm a firm believer in the importance of like our leisure activities, like the things that we choose to do, um, like play games and um, and express ourselves. I, I I'm a firm believer that those are the important things in life. So um, so that's why I've always had like sort of these, these idea that games are like more important than we actually give them credit for. Mm-hmm. Um, they're part of this like greater network of connectivity that we create that um, almost forces people to sort of have a face-to-face kind of experience. And uh, in a world that's always trying to like digitize everything and separate people and stuff, I think board games are a real, really, really powerful antidote to that. And, so, and I think that's part of their popularity, their recent popularity. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we talk about that all the time about how you can be so siloed when you're playing video games and you're you're forced to break out of that when you're playing a non-solo board game um so i really like that uh that part of it well video games can be powerful too oh for Um, sure you know the and when we've seen you know plenty of uh incredible um things that video games have been able to do um but what but but when when you talk about multi multiplayer experiences with video games, yeah. I think actually having people together in the same room. If you see like a land party, it's like more it's it's more fun than just being alone. Mm-hmm. Oh <laughs> so yeah, right, absolutely. You know, <laughs> even even those mutual experiences are funner when you're together. So yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say, my uh, Call of Duty lobby last night wasn't <laughs> wasn't the best uh, multiplayer experience when I was going there after the matches. So <laughs> a little different than my board game group, that's for sure. Uh, so I'm going to jump a little, I'm going to jump a couple questions just cause we're talking about this now and we can go back uh-huh. to the other ones. Uh, but so we're talking about mice and mystics when you, by all accounts, I can't think of a, um, adventure book before mice and mystics. So when you came up with this, uh, is this something that you thought was revolutionary? I, I know that you do, you were doing this to help your daughter but did you think this was going to be something that was going to become what it is or was it just or and was it like that as soon as it came out was it very popular uh, did it take a little while to get legs um my Mystics was so popular that we sold out of our first print run before the game was delivered wow. and we immediately had to fire off a second print run which sold out right away too so um it was far more popular than i ever expected at the beginning um 
honestly, and I don't, I, I'm not trying to like toot my own horn, but the, one of the things that I felt was missing in board games at that time was this narrative aspect. And I didn't feel like I was getting that, what I wanted that Dungeons and Dragons experience that I had when I was a kid, but I just wanted somebody else to deliver it. I didn't want anybody to be saddled with the, with having to be a game master. So I thought like, wouldn't it be cool if like the game actually sort of led you through a story and you could just like kind of go along with it. And the story would fill in all that stuff and you wouldn't even have to even role play. You could just, you wouldn't have to even hassle with that. You could just like enjoy the story, absorb it for whatever virtues that it like has and, um, and just kind of play some game and roll some dice and read to your kid and, and just celebrate reading. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. So that I, I didn't, ex- I mean, I didn't think I was like starting a trend in games, but I do know that if you look at games now, board games now and, how heavily narrative is featured in board games now. I'm going to toot my own horn on this. I was on, <laughs> I was on the crest of that wave right there. Yeah. I was riding that wave and I, and I showed in some ways I showed people how to do it, you know, and, and that it can be done and that it's enjoyable. Absolutely. So, well, I'm normally also, more humble than that, but like no. when, when it comes to this stuff, like looking nowadays, looking back. Yeah. I was like one of the very first. <laughs> no, I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would totally agree with that because I think about even when Josh and I talk about the games that we play, we now are much more into uh, games that have some sort of story or some sort of progression. And obviously, I think legacy games are a little bit different, but having some sort of campaign that you are progressing your way through is something that I didn't know I wanted in board games until I got it. And my Mystics was the first place I had it. And now I want basically every game to do that in some way. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean. There's games can have mechanics and they can have narrative and, and there's all different kinds. There's different expressions of mechanics and different expressions of narrative. But if you want your game to have a memorable impact on somebody, if you want to create an indelible impression on that person's memories, so that they're going to look back and be like, well, remember when we were playing that game and this happened, that only happens if you trigger some sort of emotion, right? And it's like a lot, it's a lot easier to do through story. If the story is good and the story is compelling, you care about the characters and you can create these emotional moments that, uh, that they leave an indelible imprint on somebody's memory. I mean, I know, like, I remember games that I played with my parents when I was a kid, but the reason I remember them is because something interesting and, 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 you know, emotional happened. That's, what I want people to, I want people to someday look back and say, man, I remember playing Martian Mystics with my dad. It was so cool. And man, we just, oh my God, you know, I always remember that. I'll never forget that. If I could just create that, if I can create that, that's magic, dude. That's magic. So I'll, I promise, Josh, I'll turn it over to you in one second. Okay. No, no, you got to get your, gotta get your uh, tail feathers question. <laughs> well, I'm going to get to that in one second. First curveball question. You can tell me to go fly, fly a kite if you want to. Uh, so when are we going to hear, speaking of storytelling and stuff with games, uh, when are we hearing more about this Mice and Mystics movie? That was my question, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The old Mice and Mystics movie that's been on again and off again. Um, right now it's off. So okay. um, I think that we saw... Uh, the Mouse Guard movie failed. Uh, mm-hmm. it, uh, it it failed to launch, so um, it died on the vine. And I think maybe Mice and Mystics movie died on the vine for the same exact reason. Like either they were like trying to come up with a, something quick to compete with the Bat movie or something, but 
they saw that one fail. And then, I mean, it, there's a lot of stuff going on. Movies are weird. Nine, I mean, the amount of money spent on like trying to get a movie made that never gets made. People yeah. could like be super wealthy off of all that money. <laughs> How's it going uncharted? Like, have, you, <laughs> yeah. have you seen the, 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 the clips from the mouse guard movie? The studio tour. Yeah. yeah. Where all yes, the art what is the on. hell? They had the costumes and the weapons and yeah. the, yeah, I mean, mine didn't even get that far. <laughs> Imagine how heartbroken I would be if, like, they had all this stuff for Mice and Mystics and then it died on the vine like that. Oh, my God. Yeah. All that money? Somebody spent that money. Somebody made money. Yeah. I mean, it's all prosperous. You know, it's all it's all part of the economy. But, man, what a waste. Okay, so you say on again, off again. So that means, though, that there is the chance it could be on again. I own the intellectual property rights to Mice okay. and Mystics. Okay. The people that want to make a Mice and Mystics movie are still interested. They just nothing's happened so far. So gotcha. they, okay. they 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 lost all of their main uh, support and stuff, and so they're just co- sort of uh, floating around out there. And I personally think chances are it's not ever going to happen. But I mean, I think in situations like this, it's better to be pessimistic than optimistic because, you know. So if we start tweeting at like HBO Max, Netflix, Showtime, uh, <laughs> with this look, take a look at this property. This should be a series. This should be a movie. Maybe they I'll can. Tell you, I'll <laughs> tell you right now. You would not believe how many board games and how many things in the board game industry have gotten really close. Yeah, but why do and we not need just my a Monopoly movie? <laughs> we don't need that. <laughs> we need we need my Mystics. We don't need Monopoly the movie. <laughs> well. Right now you have you have TV series which I think are really starting to become almost stronger than movies. Yes. Yeah. Um, they've seen some success in these TV series that, that, that they can really. If you have a, a streaming series that's strong enough, then you can get a streaming audience, and then that streaming audience creates a revenue flow that blows movies out of the water. So yeah, that's why you're seeing such high quality uh, streaming uh, right now. Yeah, like we, really good series. Oh, for sure. And we still haven't gotten an update on that Catan movie, so maybe that's going to still be a thing. <laughs> so uh, what <laughs> game? What game uh, in the Mice and Mystics universe? I think that seems to get a little underappreciated is Tail Feathers. Uh, what was this a game that you always wanted to make in that universe? Was this a type of style of game? You know, kind of the uh, you know, dueling um, creatures, if you want. I always, when I played it, I always was like, this is like, I don't, it's going to sound so bad. This is like X-Wing, but cool. Um, <laughs> it's kind of like what I thought about when I played it, but I really don't hear a lot of people talk about the game. Can you talk a little bit just about Tail Feathers? Do you feel it got the appreciation it was due? Kind of, what are your thoughts on that game now? Um, okay, I love Tail Feathers. Um, I, I love HeroScape. I love that kind of like a sort of joyful dice chucking little simple uh, game with like uh, some, some decision making. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a period there where we had like, we had mice and mystics, we had heart of Glorm, and we had downward tales. And this is a lot of content in a gaming industry that really hadn't like, didn't really know like long campaign narrative campaign games at the time. And so what we were discovering is that like a lot of people were still working their way through these and, and to release another, uh, to release another story based like expansion on top of those that people were still working their way through, it wouldn't have worked. Okay. So 
but I'd had this idea for this war that was happening in the forest, you know. And so um, I, I, I really loved X-Wing, but I, but I wanted like, um, I wanted a game where there was truly like not just flying units, but ground units as well. And so I, and I had this idea of like a three level game where you have flying, tree limb, combat, and then you had ground, uh, uh, ground operations as well. So I had this idea for like this three layered game. Uh, I loved X-Wing, but I, I but I had my own ideas about how I would mice to mix it fired or whatever, you know. Um, and and I, that's what I went with. I mean, that's that's what I did to like kind of give some mice and mystics products out there that was something different with the universe that um, would kind of showcase some of the different things that, that I wanted to do with this universe. But also at that same time. <laughs> We got bought by uh, uh, FTZ, and so um, uh, and at that time it was um, FTZ was like a conglomerate of Philosophia, which was prior to FTZ was Philosophia, and they bought Z-Man Games and they created FTZ, and then right after that, right on the heels of that, they bought us. Okay, so <laughs> this is where my my little tail feathers game is right in the middle of this, you know, juggling of these companies being purchased and merging and all this stuff, you know, and my tail feathers is right in the middle of all that. And I just feel like, like it, it was an ambitious game that uh, like landed at a time that was full of transition. And I think that a lot of the people who are fans of, of my mystics, they didn't really know what tail, how tail feathers fit into that. And they were expecting it to be a sort of this cooperative bird riding adventure. And they did, they found out that it was a competitive game. And like my audience for, for my mystics, they were all about these families working through stories and stuff. And they don't, they, it wasn't really, it didn't really jive. They're like sitting down playing a battle game. Um, my, it didn't really fit there. And so it was way overshadowed by the success of star Wars, uh, uh, the, the X-wing game, which got even bigger and bigger and bigger while I was in the middle of having my tail feathers thing, you know, have you guys ever heard of the superstar syndrome in our, in our industry kind of a little, little talked about and stuff. It happens in the, in the video game industry too. Sometimes you'll like get a, like a, a big game that dominates a certain area, and then it, do, it doesn't matter how good your game is, but nobody else can get any sort of traction there. Yeah. So yeah. there's a little bit of that, too. I mean, people are, are playing X-Wing, and X-Wing's got this big you know, network of players and stuff, and they're having organized events and stuff, and people aren't going to pick up Tail Feathers. So, well, I thought Tail Feathers a, was great. <laughs> it's like a combination of stuff. The, one of the cool things about tail feathers is your ground operations, those little cards that you play on the field when you're mm -hmm. when you're when you're sending your units on little missions and stuff. This is something that like I wish I had time to like talk more about and stuff, but like the way that the the air the flying units interact with those ground units as they're going on their on their little operations, I think is just like the bomb. Right, because you have this hidden, hidden information. You're putting this card face down. It just shows from a top view. It shows little rodents running across the field, mm -hmm. right? And then if you can fly over it with your bird, then you can like scout it. You can like you know interact with it and stuff like that. But then that's that's the little unit that's going over to climb up inside your tree on the other side of the battlefield. That's just. I mean, I wish there was more of that. I wish there was more of that in X-wing and other games like that too. You know. 
Absolutely. Okay, Josh, I promise you can take over for a while. That's okay. This is <laughs> this is uh, your moment to the, talk the to the guy you admire. Uh, expansion <laughs> for tail feathers, dude. I have all the sculptures. I have all the miniatures. Why would you even them. say this to me? <laughs> I know it's horrible. It's horrible. I, I feel the pain just as strong, more stronger than you. I mean, probably true. Yeah, probably. probably true, but <laughs> man, I, yeah, I really enjoyed Tail Feathers. I thought it was great. My friends all played X-Wing and my, I was saying that just before X-Wing was a very good game, but yes, uh, yeah, I, I did, I did appreciate, I think um, the complexity, not that it was necessarily more complicated, but just how there was more, to me, it felt like more depth because you were trying to think of all those different scenarios at the same time, which to me, I really enjoyed. And I just really liked the Mice and Mystics universe. Um, I'm not a huge Star Wars person, so <laughs> I like it all. That was great. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, let's let's keep on the uh, de- the departure wagon. Uh, since Tail Feathers was uh, pretty di- pretty uh, distant from Mice and Mystics gameplay, um, how did we get to Comanots? And what can you tell us about uh, the inspiration for it? Why you changed uh, the theme and the characters and all that fun stuff? Oh, okay. So, um. I had this idea for a game that was um, I saw this movie that like changed my life. It was called inside out and it was a Pixar movie. Mm-hmm. And um, so I've been Pixar movies have been a big inspiration for me for, for how to create a story that like involves all ages. And, um, but when I saw inside out, I was like completely, completely blown away because inside out literally shows you uh, like a model of how emotions work. And um, it does it in an entertaining way. And I was like, holy, Beep. I'm sorry, holy, <laughs> <That's whatever. okay. laughs> that, that, that was like mind blowing to me because I was like, I was thinking like, okay, this is an entertaining movie that is, it, it's captivating. It's fun to watch and everything, but it's also teaching you like, and it, and then the more you go down that rabbit hole and you discover what they went through to like make that movie and, 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 and how it was like based on human psychology and, and, and psychiatry and stuff like that is, it's just absolutely crazy and genius. So, um, I started thinking like, okay, what could you, how could you gamify something like this? And so I decided to like break it down. Like, okay, it's, it's going to be a family style game. Then you got to break it, break it all the way down to where it's just like very, very raw and it's very simple and it's like numbers and colors and stuff like that. And so I noticed that in, uh, in the movie, um, there, each character is color coded. Okay. So you have, you know, you have joy is yellow and you have sadness is blue and disgust is, I mean, so you have these like characters that are color coded. And I was like, that's perfect for board gaming because we use color coding as a way to like sort of help players visually uh, understand things as quick as possible. So I thought, what, what if, wouldn't it be cool if you had different dice that like match different colors of, of the emotions, right? And, um, so in my mind, I was like um, playing with this idea. I started working on this little dice mechanic where you're like pulling dice out of a bag and d- the different colored dice would tell you different things you could do. And then I, was, I thought, this is really great. This, this is actually working. Um, how can I make a game that's kind of like inside out, but like, you know, it's similar to that, give you the same kind of feels, but it's my own thing. And so I started to think about what would be the most universally relatable experience that anybody could have and how could i tell my story um like the most impactful things in my life are being a dad and a husband and the 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 things that like 
the, the way that I could gamify that sort of experience would be, I have to find something universal and that was with stuffed animals. And so everybody's had a stuffed animal, everybody, you know, almost everybody. It's just so freaking universal, universal. Like when you were a kid, you had a stuffed animal. So you yeah. remember that. So I made a game about stuffed animals and those stuffed animals are kind of like inside out where they represented the child's different, you know, motivations and the different emotions and stuff. And, but, but you were playing the part of one of these stuffed animals that was in charge of taking care of that child's uh, nighttime dreams and stuff like that. And that's where Stuff Fables came from. And that uh, was a precursor to Comanauts. Comanauts was a game that I had been wanting to make for a while that was uh, about, um, about psychology, about like dealing with your own inner demons. And I thought, like, wouldn't it be cool if people could like sit down and play a game where you know, they could take on their, their own inner demons or somebody else's inner demons or just the idea of like ridding ourselves of the things that hold us back in life. And so Comanauts is sort of an evolution of the stuff fable story. I hope I'm not like diving too deep on this stuff, but no, that's okay. No, no that's great. So Comanauts is really just an evolution of the stuff fable story, um, taken to a different level, telling a little bit more personal stories about that, that come from uh, from my life and my experiences and things that I've uh, encountered and know and people I know and stuff like that. And that's basically what Comanauts is about. When you, In Comanauts, you basically are going in to this guy's mind and trying to uh, fix the broken things in his in his life. And it's sort of an it's 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 a, it's total adventure. It's like a video game adventure, more like um, uh, like Forrest Gump meets Ready Player One or something like that, you know. <laughs> Nice, but um, but it's also really uh, trippy and deep and different. And <laughs> go play it. Yeah. Have you have you tried sure. it? No, it's on the list. Um, <laughs> it, Kyle and I have this problem where we have so many games, um, even just from Plat Hat that we want to play, and we typically just have one other person in our gaming group to play yeah. with, which is our wives. Um, so uh, my wife and I played uh, stuff fables it was mm -hmm. our first um uh, introduction to one of your games oh and, cool. um i really enjoyed it because i know that the theme is mostly at least focused to families and kids but we still mm -hmm. had a blast reading the story and really getting into um to the game and as like a disney family even my wife and i just being big disney fans I think it lends itself to people who already have that mindset where you can kind of embrace like your inner childhood. Not every board game has to be about uh, cr traveling across the world, fighting diseases or killing zombies. Like there's a lot more to be offered. And I thought that that stuff Fables was definitely um, a game for us. And, and we were really, uh, I was really pushed to get it from Kyle because he would tell me how much he really enjoyed my semestics. Um, so we really enjoyed that, and um, and Comanet sounds uh, right up the same alley. So so perhaps we will jump on that bandwagon. Dude, you totally nailed it. Like games can be about anything. You can gamify anything, um, and you know, like just there there's there's more important things that happen besides like these big giant, you know, uh, saving the world from a pandemic. But there's there's small little battles we fight every day that you can you can gamify. So. Yeah, for sure. I know on Board Game Geek, um, it says that Aftermath re-implements Comanauts. Is it, I don't want to say like copy and paste, because I, I think that's insulting to say, but is it basically 
really, really similar, just with a, a different place and a different setting, or are they drastically different games? Oh, they're drastically different. Um, and I hate that that they say it's a right. re-implementation of Comanuts, because I like did Aftermath from the ground up, like from the ground up. Um, it, it uses cards. It's a card-based game. It's card-driven. It's... Um, it, it still has the adventure book, but it, it, the way that you encounter the story is completely different than any of the games that I've done before. Um, it's very player driven, so you can choose which missions to go on in any order. Missions that you go on are going to unlock more missions um, almost always. So while you're on a mission, you're, you're going to have an encounter that'll unlock another mission. It'll tell you, oh, you grab this mission, stick it in your in your in this box. You know, you're putting cards in different boxes. Um, it's like a legacy game that you don't you don't destroy anything. We just have different boxes. Instead of destroying something, you just put them in the banished box. You know, when you acquire something, you put it in your colony box, and now your little your little colony of rodents have that thing. You know. Um, but yeah, uh, Aftermath is, I mean, it's the way, Aftermath is like literally the way I would like to do games from now on because of it's like, it's like a, instead of being a campaign, it's more like a persistent world. Mm-hmm. And so you sit down to play it and you just, okay, these are the, these are the missions we have to choose from. All right, let's take this mission. You know, this is my character box. All the crap that you like gained before is in your character box. You know, you pour out your character box get your figure and you start, start playing the mission and then the game changes while you're playing it. But like, you don't really, I mean, it's like all seamless. It's part of the gameplay and stuff and everything goes in its boxes. And at the end of the game, you know, you manage your colony and then you're done and you put it back in the box and you open it up the next time you play and everything's been preserved from the previous play. So interesting. That is, I always wonder when I see the re-implementation thing on board game geek and I always wonder how accurate that is. And it sounds like in this case, not very accurate. Well, I mean, no, no, it's <laughs> okay. not. It's not anything like Comanauts. It has no. I mean, it's very, very, very far from Comanauts. Huh. Okay. Um, like the, <laughs> the like the <laughs> the only the only similarity really that it has is that you are playing in an adventure book, and that format um, we keep it very similar. So you always mm-hmm. know that when you go to an eyeball, you go to the eyeball in the book. You go here, you're gonna you're gonna check that thing. Uh, that's about it. Okay, the only thing we haven't touched on, I believe, from last year is Battlelands. And I was wondering, I don't know much about it, to be honest with you, if you could uh, educate us on what Battlelands is. Sure. Um, Battlelands is a game that was brought to us by uh, Andrea Mezzatero. Um, he's a, a game designer that we, I mean, we just love his game designs. Um he did uh, Crystal Clans for us also. Oh, yeah. Um, and um, that was a little two-player uh, back-and-forth card game with a really interesting um, action mechanic. Um, this one was a game that he brought to us that we thought was interesting because of, it's a three- to five-player card game, which is very rare to have like this card game that like fits into this three- to five-player zone. And it plays like super fast, so it's not going to be like your main feature game on a night. It's kind of like a warm up game or like, okay, we're done playing the main game. We have like an hour left. Let's play this little game. Uh, so it's a card game and um, you're each playing a little faction within my aftermath world. And so I created all these factions and there's all these different territories within this world. And you're playing one of those factions 
and you're fighting over the different territories in the world and stuff. And it's a super simple game um, where all you do on your turn is you play a card. And um, the but the card interaction and stuff is really fun, really cute. And the art is fantastic. Um, and it's just like a just like a super fun, super simple, easy to teach little card game that you can like whip out and you take it camping with you and whip it out and play it with a big group of people and it's super fun. And but it takes place in the aftermath world, so it sort of supports that world. And it also shows you sort of a preview of some of the unreleased stuff for aftermath, the things you know, you can kind of get a, an idea of the different factions and some of the units that are going to be in those factions for the unreleased um, Aftermath uh, expansion stuff. So nice. kind of a cool preview. Would you recommend Aftermath before Battlelands for people? It doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. They don't relate to each other in that sense. I would I would say buy both is what yeah. I would say. <laughs> That's, a <laughs> That's a good answer. That's a good answer. Uh, so we have a lot of questions and we don't have a lot more of your time in which we want to respect your time. But I did want to ask you, um, you can go as short or as long as you want. What's your relationship with video games currently, um, if at all? And uh, I know you mentioned, I think, to me uh, previously that you use them, that they're very inspirational to you. But I'm curious where you stand now with all these big, giant blockbuster video games out there. <laughs> okay the, the games i'm interested in right now that i probably am not gonna play um i i, I love the new i, lo I love the, the new jedi game i own an xbox i love the new jedi game and um and and uh is it outer worlds or yeah yeah, well, yeah. it's yeah or outer wilds depending on oh, two different games yeah. <laughs> well uh, i mean the fallout the, version right yeah the, yeah the the, yeah. the the big budget one um those are games that totally interest me. My problem is, is that um, a few years ago, my eyesight—I'm I'm getting older—and my eyesight started to go weird on me. And now, when I play uh, video games, I get nauseated. So I don't know if it's like uh, you know something to do with the refresh rate or whatever. I don't know. People have told me different things. I've looked up stuff, but um, I mostly play turn-based strategy now. Okay. And so my current favorite game is Mutant Year Zero. Yes, great game. And I. I really love that game. It's hard, but I really, I mean, for me anyway, um, I love that game. Um, and I love turn-based strategy games. But back when I was designing Mice and Mystics, um, there were a couple of games that inspired me uh, very heavily on Mice and Mystics. And so I wanted to bring these up. Uh, number one, like one of the main mechanics that drives Mice and Mystics is this cheese wheel that, that, that runs the game. That was like, 100% inspired by Left 4 Dead. And, and, and the, way, the way that that works is I, I read an article in, in a video game magazine about in Left 4 Dead, while you're, uh, while you're adventuring around behind the scenes, inside the, the insides of the game, there's a little clock ticking away. And you don't know it, but that clock's ticking away, and it's going to basically randomly spawn a giant horde of zombies on you, right? And while it's ticking away, the music sort of changes in the game. So you can kind of hear it if you're, you know, if you're, if you pay attention, you kind of hear the music building up and then a horde of zombies is going to come your way. So I thought of like, wouldn't that be cool if there was a board game where you couldn't quite predict when the bad Beep. stuff is going to happen, <laughs> when the bad stuff is going to happen, if you couldn't predict it, 
but if it was like building up and you kind of knew because you saw it building up, but there was like a random element to it that like sometimes it could fill up faster and sometimes it would fill up slower, but you see that thing filling up and it fills you full of tension. That was the, the, the cheese wheel in Mice and Mystics was directly based upon Left for Dead's crescendo system that they, that they did. Um, also, the idea that a dungeon crawl game only has to be about fighting monsters and finding loot. Um, I think that was completely blown away by all the Lego games, right? Lego games, you fight, you find cool stuff, but you also build stuff and you also have to little puzzles all over the place, little puzzles, right? So I thought in Mice and Mystics, that's why there's like a lot, uh, there's a lot of combat, but there's like a lot of little puzzle solving stuff, Mm -hmm. uh, usually in an environmental thing. But those Lego games like have informed my game design, my board game design throughout all of it, because, you know, it doesn't it doesn't all have to be about fighting. I just love the little simple puzzles in the Lego games. They're always like interesting. Uh, you know, oh, you need this kind of dude to go do this thing. Well, we don't have that dude. Well, maybe if we come back here on a future play and we have that dude, we can do that thing. I love that. So nice. those are two like major influences. Those are two great choices to i know they're kind of old create. school though aren't they They're kind of showing my age i don't know left for dead still resonates with a lot of people we haven't gotten a proper follow-up to no, left for we dead still play and... it here we still play it here not me yeah. but my kids play it like all the time they played it the day before yesterday so <laughs> yeah we definitely yeah. talk about it a lot in our in our video game circles still yeah and it still is inspiring thing i mean zombie Abbey, zombie rv four just came out world war z came out i mean it's still a that genre that it created is still regularly something you just we can't see. replicate it yeah. yeah yeah they haven't been able to, to replicate that yet. that that four player cooperative you know i don't know that uh no we do the, the split screen but the, the cooperative mm-hmm. play in that is like super super awesome yeah. is. have you ever played the game tooth and tail tooth and tail yeah it, uh is that a is that is a it, video game it is a turn-based strategy video game yeah we one of our listeners is a huge fan of that game, and it is a turn-based strategy game, but it involves mice and rats and things like that. So, just a is suggestion. It... <laughs> no, I no, I, I'll check it out. I, I know, I kind of know what you're talking about. It's like it's it's on Steam, right? Yeah. yeah. But I don't know if it's on Mac. Oh, okay. So then I'm yeah, like I'm a, like all Mac. So okay. Um, well, then I don't know. I'll check it out though. See yeah. if it if, if if they have a Mac version. Yeah, Jerry's I, gonna send a cease and desist to the company. <laughs> no, no, I won't. I love. I mean, there's more the merrier. Like, let's all get out there and like make games all about this this same subject matter because I think it's it's super cool. Yeah. All right. Well, our time kind of draws to a close here. Couple final questions. Number one, uh, who's your favorite stuffy and why is it lumpy? <laughs> My favorite stuffy is Piggle. <laughs> okay. Reasonable answer too. I like Piggle because Piggle is uh, Piggle is an optimist in the best way, right? And she doesn't back it up with any skill or anything. She backs it up with luck, <laughs> just just good luck. I love that because it's like I don't know. It's like the totally it totally fits me. So I like Piggle the best. I just I adore Lumpy because he just looks like so like happy but sad, and he's just got this hammer, and he's just chilling and he's i don't know there's just something i about know lumpy lumpy oh. is lovable <laughs> um, lumpy is he's the tank yeah i love lumpy uh second question we're, we have you know for all the people we've interviewed we always do a really bad job of this so we're gonna try to fix that with you tonight <laughs> no problem. Uh, 
<laughs> so we come in and we always want to gush about all the cool things that we have played that you have done and all of that stuff. But uh, what do you have coming up? Like, what's next? Are there games you want to talk about for you or Plaid Hat? Uh, what should we be on the lookout for? What should our listeners be on the lookout for? Okay, I have two things that I really want to talk about. Okay. Number one is I have an expansion coming out this year for Stuff Fables. Oh, yes! <laughs> and it's called Oh Brother. And the family has got a new baby baby boy, and it's all about his new stuffies and their interaction with the previous group of stuffies and a whole bunch of new adventures. And it is a blast. I mean, I'm like super proud of it. Um, it's a great, great, great sequel to um, Stuff Fables. Are the uh, the dog the giraffe that were in the coloring no, book? No, no, the... okay. No, the, there's two new stuffies. Um, there's a unicorn. Um, named Pokey, and there is a action figure named Manny. Very cool. So we got this new kind of plastic action figure that has to f- learn how to be a stuffy, has to sort of fit in and learn how to be cuddly and stuff, and it's just not his uh, strong suit. Um, but this is all about, you know, the, 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 the first was all about um, this uh, this little girl, Mm-hmm. Uh, and the second one's about this little boy. So there's like this difference between raising boys and raising girls and stuff. When we, it's, it's not, I mean, it, it doesn't dive deep on all that stuff. It's just a fun adventure um, that sort of uh, has all the same feels of the first um, uh, book, but it has a bunch of new adventures and interesting stuff in this one too. I'm super excited about it. Awesome. It has a new villain, new new uh, bad guys, um, and you kind of return to the fall, and you get to experience some of the old stuff, too. So it's fantastic. Okay. And the other big thing that's coming out real soon is Forgotten Waters. Mm. Um, it's the new Crossroads game. That's um, It's a pirate-based uh, Crossroads game, and I can't. I can't reveal too much about it because, you know, uh, we have, we're going to, you know, I can't, I I don't want to spoil anything, but it's coming out soon. It's a, it's a pirate crossroads game and it is loads of fun. Um, It's just fun. (laughs) (laughs) Get a big group of people and talk like a pirate and have fun and go through this adventure and it's very narrative and we have all this cool stuff that I can't talk about. It's so cool. <laughs> um, but all that stuff is going to be like next week, basically. Um, uh, press releases and all that stuff coming out. I know it's been teased a little bit. Forgotten Waters has been teased. We, yeah. The box is out there, so I could, I could say the name of it and stuff. We all know it's about pirates. Yeah. Cause I think... And we all know it's a little bit uh, lighthearted and campy. Uh, but it's also super adventurous too and stuff so so and i don't know if this is officially kind of the way it was was this the game though because i know i've seen stuff for it was this spoiled by a store listing for it i maybe i don't know i was like because i I know that might be that might be i know they they like we get we get spoiled all the time you know Mm. by stuff we get we get uh scooped (laughs) <laughs> um, we call it around the office. We get scooped all the time and stuff because yeah, it's hard to coordinate all that stuff. But yeah, I think we got scooped a little bit by it, but uh, it's no big deal. Yeah. Um, we're, I mean, we're of the mind that like the sooner that the public finds out about this stuff, the better. But yeah. there's like a, you know, there's an organization to how this stuff is released and stuff. So, um, but 
all I can say is that this game is super zany fun and it's like one of those games that like makes memories. And yeah. I, I talked earlier in the, in the episode about memories. This is one of those games that like makes a lot of goofy memories and fun memories. Cause um, it creates a lot of laughter and a lot of like camaraderie and stuff. So I think awesome. it's going to be a big hit. Very cool. I, I it's think it's going to be a big deal. I'm very regularly on record with saying that I think Crossroads is one of my favorite game mechanics ever. I absolutely love the Crossroads system. I think it's so cool. Um, I, yeah, that is always my question. What's the next Crossroads game? <laughs> yeah, yeah. the implementation in this one is uh, is just it's super, super, super duper awesome. So. Very cool. Awesome. Well, Josh, any final questions before we wrap things up tonight? I mean, I, we could keep him here for another hour, but I don't think that that's fair to him. <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, Jerry, thank you so much for joining us tonight. We do truly appreciate it. Um, where can people keep up with you on the Internet? Any websites, anything else you want to plug for yourself or for Plat Hat? Uh, well, you know, PlatHatGames.com is um, where I uh, office out of. And um, Mice underscore Guy is my Twitter handle. And so if you want to follow me on Twitter, I will follow you back. I guarantee it. I follow everybody back because that's just <laughs> what you do. Um, and uh, yeah, that's it. That's, that's the main ways right there. All right. Look me up at Gen Con. I'll be at Gen Con this year. Schlepping nice. my games. <laughs> um, has anybody made a uh, Billie Eilish parody song involving you instead of nice guy? Not yet. <laughs> okay. No. Nope. Okay. Well, I love uh, Billie Eilish. So, 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 <laughs> I can't I'm, wait. There's Kyle's bad got guy. something in the works. It's awesome. It's bad guy, not nice guy. Well, but no, bad guy, nice guy. It's still work. It's a guy thing. It's fine. It's fine. I'm not a huge Billy Eilish fan, as you can maybe tell. I don't know. No, that's all right. All right. Well, thanks again, Jerry, so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me on. This is a lot of fun, you guys. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you. And thanks so much, Jerry Hawthorne, again for being here. Uh, we are recording the show pretty early this this time. We're actually recording a little week ahead of when you're going to hear this. So. Um, we're going to still do a couple other small topics, but not the typical stuff that we tip we would do. Just a few little news stories that we want to hit on briefly here to kind of wrap out this show. Uh, Josh, Call of Duty Warzone apparently is the battle royale for the new Call of Duty, and it's coming in March, they say. Uh, do you want a new Call of Duty battle royale? Well, first let me say it's all the rage at the break room. And everyone oh, really? thought it was dropping today at at one o'clock or noon or whatever. Okay. Because the internet was abuzz with leaked video of either people in the map or people on a plane or people seeing it in the menu. Uh, so, uh, you know, we, I don't know. I guess I came to the conclusion they must be beta testing it in Germany because someone had like German version of it playable, supposedly. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, everyone was talking, oh, March 3rd, oh, March 10th, oh, it's going to be a Tuesday, oh, it's, you know, everyone's right. all abuzz for another Battle Royale game, I guess. I know. <laughs> so, reading from uh, Games Radar, it says, uh, quote, Call of Duty Warzone, the often leaked yet-to-be-revealed Battle Royale for Call of Duty, is coming in March, according to a new report, in addition to unlocking automatically for owners of Call of Duty Modern Warfare, it will also come as a free-to-play game to better compete with games like Fortnite and Apex Legends, unquote. Josh, do you think this is going to, for people who have purchased, they paid 60 American dollars, if you live in the U.S., for Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Do you think they're going to be frustrated that this is then free-to-play, the Warzone part is free-to-play for anyone who wants to? I hope not. I mean, this wasn't promised, right, with Call of Duty no. before it launched? So it was not. Whether So, okay, so pe 
<laughs> people will be mad. They yes. have no right to be mad. Okay. Because uh, there's a Call of Duty mobile battle royale game, and no one's complaining that they didn't get that included with their game. My my curiosity, and I don't know if you know this or not, was this part of the giant 71 gigabyte update, or do you think there's going to be another update to Call of Duty that is like 39 more gigabytes? <laughs> Dude, let me tell you, the updates for this Call of Duty are ridiculous. They are regular, and they're significant, and there's been more than one time that I've gone in to play the multiplayer and it will say, because when the game first came out, you had to download multiple parts. There was a single-player campaign and yeah. like two chunks of multiplayer you had to download. I'll go in, and it will say, you do not have the multiplayer downloaded. What do you <laughs> mean I don't have the multiplayer down? And then I'll have to go in and re-download the multiplayer part again, yeah. which is just ridiculous. So I hope it was part of that, because if I have to do another big update, I'm going to be really disappointed. But I'm anticipating it was not part of that, and I'm going to have to do another big update. That's crazy. <laughs> Do you think, what does this mean for Blackout, right? Because with Black Ops 4, obviously they had Blackout. That was a big deal. It is still being updated. They just did an event for Valentine's Day for that. Are they? Does this mean we're going to have two Call of Duty Battle Royale games out and being supported at the same time? I mean, I guess the question is how much resources does it take away from them um, server-wise? Like, if that's the case, it would be weird for a game series to have two battle royales on consoles or pc and consoles right mm -hmm. uh so it would be weird i don't know that that would stop them i mean it's not common for games to support older companies to support older versions of games for a very long time online um like like every year you hear about a new madden that is not no longer being supported for online play but it's usually a few years old i know it's not apples it's apples to oranges in this example um i but i don't see them saying we're not going to support our other battle royale like at the same time so right. uh, if they're going to do that it, they'll be the first company to have to do this right yeah i mean it, and it's obviously you know activision the publisher but the call like different Full studios brand. have made yeah. these games you know so like black ops was made by treyarch the current iteration made by infinity war so they're different studios, but it oh, just seems okay. weird for Activision to support two Battle Royales, really kind of three, if you think about the mobile, mobile. ones yeah. of Call of Duty, right? That seems weird, right? Yeah, I mean, on paper, I would imagine I would want to, as a company for resources, end the um, older version of what I'm trying to do so right. I could get the, that player base into my game, right? especially if it's going to be free. Um but I would be very interested to see what happens in the community if they just shut down Black Ops for Battle Royale support. It would be right. really weird. Yeah, and I guess, granted, it's not like the other games aren't still technically supported after launch in the sense of you can still go back and play Advanced Warfare if you want to, right? Yeah, but they need like to that... make a decision based on player base, too. If everyone right. stops playing Black Ops for Battle Royale, what's it called? I keep calling it Black Ops for Battle Black Royale. Well, I mean, it's in Black Ops, but Blackout. Blackout. If they if they decide if people stop playing Blackout or their numbers drop like eighty percent because everyone's playing this one, right? Then I, you you know they have to make that decision that's best for them because gamers are going to be mad no matter what. But as a business, mm -hmm. you have to like we talked about this just in the last episode we recorded. You can't always necessarily worry about the player base. You have to worry about making a profit. Right. Uh, you know what the 
other interesting thing about, and this is kind of a side story to that last Call of Duty update was. No. And this may be fixed by now. We'll have to wait and see. But this weekend, um, or last weekend, I guess now when you're listening to the show, listener, uh, the next Call of Duty League match happened in Atlanta. Okay. But the, with the latest update that they did, at least of you know when we're recording this or the day before we're recording this episode on the 18th, uh, the update broke LAN. So when they would try to play LAN games, <laughs> they don't work anymore. Smart, smart when you're a game that's that's doing tournaments. <laughs> so yeah, so Call of Duty League, at least as of you know today, there was no updates as to whether this had been fixed yet. But basically, what would happen is that when the maximum number of players in the game got into the lobby for the game, it wouldn't allow any PC players to connect. Which doesn't on its face sound like a big deal, but that's how like all the spotters work. That's how like all of that happens to bring you live Call of Duty. <laughs> so none of them could connect. So there was a, a smaller tournament that happened uh, last weekend, and they had to end up playing online because they couldn't play on LAN. Now, oh, can you great. imagine compa- professional players <clears throat> suddenly having to play an online game? Oh, man. This will be interesting to see if they don't get this fixed. Every missed shot, they're going right. to complain about it not being online. Right. Yeah. So hopefully they get it fixed. And like I said, you'll know if it was fixed by the time this episode is out. Uh, but I just found that very, very interesting, and people were very upset about that. So hopefully they get that resolved. Oh, another thing that they did, and this was annoying to me. So in the update, they made it so you can change the color of your name. Yeah. Well, the problem is my team is blue and the other team is red, but people on the enemy team could change their names to blue. <laughs> Are you kidding me? That's probably like, no one the worst thing I've that. ever heard of. Ever. No one thought about that. Oh, wow. it was so frustrating. And I will say it's not the exact same shade of blue, but it's close enough where (laughs) I see blue and I'm like, oh, never mind. And yeah, so that's super frustrating. So now I just shoot at everyone. (laughs) There you go. So, all right. Next story. uh, Rainbow Six Siege had their big invitational over the weekend. uh, And there were some interviews done with some of the folks who work on the game. Uh, And this is also from coming from Games Radar. And according to, oh boy, this is a name that I'm going to really struggle with. The game's director, Leroy Athanasoff. Uh, Yeah, sure. I'm not going to try to do what you just did. (laughs) I apologize, Leroy. You are, I'm sure you are a wonderful person. But according to Game Radar, uh, quote, what I can tell you is that we are going to be on the consoles from launch. They will release the consoles, but it's up to them to agree to that. Well, but it's up to them to agree to that. For Siege, our target is to be available right at launch. Uh, it's not only for next-gen news that came, etc. talking about how it's not only next-gen news, but then he went on to say, that means if you play on the next PlayStation, you'll be able to match make with the previous PlayStation. If you're not getting a PS5 or Xbox Series X at the same time as your mates, it seems like Siege will be a good place to keep your gaming habits intact. Um, they went on to say that outside the cross-generational multiplayer, they also talked about cross-platform play and cross-platform progression. So jumbled a lot of words in there. So my apologies, but basically they're saying, Hey, we're going to press, we're going to be able to have cross generational matchmaking. Ideally, they're going to look for cross platform play and they're going to look for cross platform progression all to come out when the new consoles launch. Number one, Josh, does this make you more interested in Rainbow Six Siege? Uh, Number two, how many other games do you think will follow suit? So, um, 
They also announced a Lara Croft skin for one of they the characters did. in uh, Rainbow Six Siege. I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, we'll say, we say a lot. We talk about Ubisoft a lot, and I know that they've had a lot of delays, um, and we've maybe given them a little bit of criticism, mm-hmm. uh, deservedly so. I would st- I stand by, but Ubisoft is, pr- in my opinion, I think still the smartest um, game publisher out there right now because of what they're doing with their games. Yeah. And this is the smartest thing for them to do, is to bring Rainbow Six Siege, uh, just like Blizzard is tied with them for like with Overwatch, just mm-hmm. of how well they've managed that game. You bring Rainbow Six Siege into these next-gen consoles, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if For Honor makes that jump too because of right. the, the huge uh, player base. Um, this is a company that supports their games, and they don't, it's not just supporting these games. They're constantly delivering new content, just mm-hmm. like Overwatch, um, in an industry where games are just put out there to die, so to speak. Um, and I love what they do. So maybe I will jump into Rainbow Six Siege. I don't know. I've I've just always been intimidated. I played a little bit of Rainbow Six Siege with a group of people who were light years beyond my skill level considering I had never played before. <laughs> so if I could find a group that was like, yeah, we're all going to get Rainbow Six Siege on this console when it comes out, so we have a game to play <laughs> that we know we can all play, I, w- I would consider doing it. Um, ha- owning For Honor, uh, we own the giant collector's edition or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I would be interested to find out if that's uh, transferable to Series X. Right. And that's how that's going to work. And if people want to jump in that also. But yeah, good for them. That's very smart. And why change a game that has such a high player base, just like Overwatch, mm-hmm. when you don't have to? Yeah. People can, in Rainbow Six Sieges, uh, it's hardly a week goes by that I don't see something posted about that or For Honor on social media or YouTube or something. And that shows me that. It is very active in the gaming community. Yeah. I I think this is very cool that they really are trying to push this hard. And I will say that, you know, I don't play Rainbow Six Siege, but I've watched Rainbow Six Siege events. Yeah. It is very yeah. cool to watch. It's very, very fun to watch. A, a cool game, even if you don't play it, you can, if you have played any shooters, you can basically understand what is going on, which is pretty neat. And I think it's cool, like you said, that, yeah, Ubisoft, you know, did delay a whole bunch of their games, but their support for their games cannot be understated, right? The Division 2, obviously, is getting a huge update. You, yes, this is a paid update, but, you know, you're getting the base game for three bucks right now, you yeah. know, and, and they have done a lot of support for that game since it released a year ago. Obviously, Rainbow Six has gotten a ton of support. Um, For Honor has gotten a ton of support. If you look at the last Assassin's Creed, they supported that game for well over a year with new content moving forward and then gave you the ability to create your own content in the game uh, with design quests and things like that. So, yeah, I, it's hard for me not to like Ubisoft because I feel like you and not that uh, I feel like you get your money's worth when you buy one of their games. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. You know? And, and uh, I don't know what PlayStation 5 is going, going to do to compete um, with Game Pass uh, for the for the next gen. But I mean, Series X, day and date, Rainbow Six Siege, For Honor on Game Pass. How smart would that be? And you just pay for the, the seasons. Right. Like you get that immediate player base like right away and then you take it off Game Pass the next month and then you have that player base 
who have played the game and then have to decide if they want to buy it or not. Well, and I think it would make sense for, you know, a number of these games for the next generation to just go with... Take a giant leap and try to get some sales, yeah. Well, but I also think just going totally to the free-to-play Battle Pass yeah, that's true. area, you know, like, whether it be... See whether it be season or battle pass or however you want to look at it, where Rainbow Six is like, okay, every two months we're going to release two more operators and XYZ stuff. You pay 10 bucks, whatever it might be. Well, if I've played the game for you know 30, 40 hours in the last two months, I'll give you another 10 bucks for another 30, 40 hours. And I don't have to if I don't want to, but then I don't get those operators. Like, okay, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. I, I really don't. Uh, you know, Street Fighter has kind of done that for a long time. Where they uh, <laughs> yeah, but I don't support that that aspect of it. Look, at they're releasing this ultimate thing, and it's like thirty bucks, and you get everything. Yeah. And but but the people who paid sixty dollars like me on day one got nothing. Yeah, but nothing. How is that, that any different than when they when uh, the Division Two came out for sixty dollars a year ago, and now you can buy uh, it for three? That's I no agree. different. The Division Two is similarly. Uh, but you got a full game with the Division Two at yeah, sixty dollars. Street Fighter, you didn't even get a story mode. Okay, so Street Fighter Five was maybe a bad example, but Street Fighter Four would have been a fine example. Sure. Just saying sure, that sure. you know, if you when you buy a game right away, Sorry, I'm just you, are always, you are <laughs> yes. When you buy a game right away, you are always getting the worst version of the game. Period. Yeah, to an extent. That is the yeah. worst version of the game. Period. You're right. So yeah, that's true. You know, that's true. And some of them just stay bad, but others get way better. I agree with you, though. I mean, I think you're right on the nose. Like, uh, because I, Apex, right? I don't even, I haven't even unlocked every character. In fact, I've only unlocked, paid to unlock one character, which is Mirage. Everyone else is gray, but I can still play the game and enjoy it. Yep. And you might be right. I, I didn't really think of it, but. Yeah, maybe every game should come out. Well, not every game, but games that it fits the play style mm-hmm. should come out subscription based, where you get it either free or at a uh, freemium price, and then you just support the game if you want to with monthly or bi monthly or you know quarterly right like donations if you will. Yeah. <laughs> well, because I think and I and I think the reason that makes more sense is I think of a game like Overwatch. Right? Would I rather every X number of months or every event that they have pay money or would I hope that they want me to buy loot boxes? Cause there's no other way to buy stuff in overwatch. There's no season passes. There's no battle passes. It is, you can buy loot boxes or that's it that so you buy the game and then you can buy loot boxes. Now nothing else is charged for. I think most people at this point would say they would much rather that every three months there was a $5, $10, whatever, get this character, get these skins, get this whatever, rather yeah. than, you know, 60 bucks to get in and then loot boxes if you want them. I don't know. Yeah. I could be wrong. I feel like people would prefer that. Though. I agree. I think that's, I think that's, uh, that would be a great future for video games. So, all right. And final story before I go into it, Josh, have you ever heard someone's name a whole bunch, but then when you have to go say it, you're, you know, you can't say it right. <laughs> well, I'm looking at the name, and no, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, so I say uh, everyone's name perfectly. I'll let you take the story then. <laughs> sure, D- Dan Carpichin, uh says. <laughs> uh, so this story uh, is near to my heart, but maybe not dear to my heart anymore. Uh, Mass Effect, the lead writer, uh, talks about leaving Bioware. Um, quote: We were. This is from GamesRadar.com. Uh, the headline is reading, quote, we were less able to make what we loved. I will say this before we start. 
Um, my, my one of my best friends started listening to our show, which mm-hmm. was flattering. Um, and he texted me today. He's listening to one of our episodes, and he said when I mentioned considering playing Mass Effect Andromeda again, mm-hmm. he said, you know. I ju- he's, he doesn't get to play video games very much, so I was very surprised to hear this, but he just finished Outer Worlds, and he has started Mass Effect Andromeda. Oh. And he's loving it. But he That's had only, good. He had only ever played Mass Effect 2. Okay. Uh, but he also said, like, he doesn't get affected the way a lot of people do. Like, he loved the ending to How I Met Your Mother, the ending to Game of Thrones, because he doesn't get invested in um, IPs, if you will. Right. Uh, so I said, you know, well, you know, maybe, maybe I'll give it a shot and go back into it. But I still, I still won't be able to. I don't think look past my Mass Effect bias. Yeah. You no, know, my number two game of all time, like in my number one series of all time. I do still remember when you guaranteed me that Mass Effect Andromeda would be the best game that came Technically, out. Technically, we weren't doing board with video games. <laughs> I guaranteed everybody, I... not just you. <laughs> uh. <clears throat> anyway, so the leader, the, so getting back on track, the lead writer of the first two Mass Effect games, he's now uh, the lead writer at a, uh, a studio or company called Archetype Entertainment, and he's kind of talking about uh, how he got to where he is. Um, he's worked at Mass Effect, Mass Effect Two, Star Wars: Knights of the Old Republic, one of my favorite games as well. Neverwinter Nights, Jade Empire, which was like the meh Bioware game at the time. Uh, arguably not anymore and anthem um so yeah so he has his ups and downs um but he kind of talked about his creative pursuits and then he started to talk about working with bioware uh he actually left them twice in 2012 and in 2018 uh when he rejoined them to work on anthem which i kind of feel bad about for him um but he's been working in the video games uh, industry for 20 years uh when he started at Bioware, he you know he was, he said everything was fresh and exciting, and it was his dream job. Um, so many talented people working together, uh, from people who worked on Baldur's Gate and Dragon Age and Mass Effect and Knights of the Old Republic. Um, but you know he says, uh, and this is a quote. Uh, but as we grew and became more successful, things changed. We became more corporate. We were less able to make what we loved, and the teams were pushed to create games based on market research rather than our creative instincts and passions. My dream job became just a job, and I lost the enthusiasm and excitement I once had. So uh, I think that speaks a lot to what we see from the results. Mm-hmm. I think it uh, it makes me personally think of uh, EA and Activision as as studios, and, and right. maybe, maybe what, I mean, what 2019 became in the video game industry was overworked and underappreciated as the theme right right um and crunch so uh, i think that speaks to all of that um type of stuff but he also has fond memories of bioware he's not just kind of crapping on them Mm -hmm. uh i think this is a very real take right which i appreciate um and i think that's nice to hear you can't change what happened right correct and he, he could have come out and said like he had the best experience of Bioware, and I don't, and that wouldn't invalidate his opinion at all. I don't think to me. Uh, I think what he's just saying lines up with what people want to hear, so that helps. Mm. Uh, but I was trying to find out what they're working on. Uh, I don't know that they've. Ad- I think 
Are they one of the ones working on one of the Magic the Gathering games? That sounds like seriously we can't add Archetypes New Project to our list of the best upcoming games until we actually know what it is. So um, my guess is we don't really know uh, what they're doing next. Yeah, I think I think they're making one of the Wizards of the Coast games. Oh, you know what? I think they're making the Magic the Gathering Diablo game. That could be like yeah, I think I'm pretty sure they yeah. And that game looks cool. It does look cool. Yes. Uh, so <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I don't know about you, Kyle. So I, I mean, I'll ask you: Do you think like, do you think he is the voice for all these people that are cogs in the machine, or do you think? that maybe it's not necessarily a general feeling that these game developers have. I think he was able to put into words what we all felt happened. Yeah. Okay. Like it's a very concise way, like from the outside looking in, when you play the recent Bioware games, they just don't, they don't. And I hate saying this because obviously people worked very hard on them, but the games don't feel like they have like the heart and soul that the previous games did. Yeah. hundred percent. You know, and and that it's not to diminish the hard work that anyone put into it, but I do feel very much that when you look at a game like Anthem, you can almost see the uh, desire to put into this game uh, all of these things that were currently going on and hot and trendy in gaming to try to kind of catch that wave. And yeah, so I, I think it's just a very... And like you said, he did not say necessarily that it wasn't really trashing Bioware. It wasn't talking about how horrible they were. It wasn't talking about how horrible, you know, the the EA was or anything like that. It just very much was, yeah, you know, things changed. Things got different. And for better, for worse, when you start becoming successful, that's often what happens. Yeah, it was more factual, factual statements. Yeah. Corporate took over. We were you know, instructed to do things that we didn't want to do or that like they would never do like as a creative team. Right. I get that. That happens in every industry. So it's relatable. I think to read about what I'm really interested in someday, we're going to get to read or see what happened with Anthem. And I'm really curious to get that whole story because underneath what became Anthem, Mm -hmm. there was a very solid uh, game in there. And I'm I'm real curious to find out what changed uh, with all of that. Do you? Because did you read uh, Jason Schreier's story? About... No, I did. I did mostly, um, mm-hmm. but I was trying to take that with a grain of salt because of who it was coming from. Okay. And what I've been told, uh, but you know, I wasn't forming my own opinion on Jason Schreier. I was kind of just going based on what people tell me mm-hmm. about him. Um, but if he wrote a book about Anthem, I would read it. I okay. just wasn't. I don't know. T- Twitter isn't a, isn't the best delivery method for me for real facts and true facts about things. <laughs> true, yeah. Just because of the platform, not necessarily the people reporting it. Gotcha. Awesome. Anything else you want to say? Any other stories that popped up you want to chat about? Anything else you want to have some conversations about before we wrap this show up, sir? I feel like there was something that's blanking on me now. Um, but before we get to, I mean. Instead of in the plugs, I kind of just wanted to say um, how cool uh, Jerry was and yeah. how um, uh, fun he was. And we could have talked, we probably could have talked to him for another hour. Mm-hmm. And he was very open and receptive and nice. Uh, and 
it's another example. We haven't had a guest on yet that, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, would I say it? I, I don't know if I'd say it. We haven't had a guest on yet that I've been disappointed by. Right. Uh, I'll say that. I think Jerry might be my favorite guest we've had on. Uh, oh, wow. Shots fired. No, no offense, William. I'm in the <laughs> board gaming industry. No offense, William. I know you're in the... <laughs> uh, I think that uh, I was very intimidated to interview him. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not even remotely as attached to his work as you are. So I can't imagine the difference. Between the two of us, um, and we had to, I had to, you know, jump through some circles and we had to reschedule and figure things out um, in the midst of other rescheduling things. Right. So it was a little stressful, but uh, I was very glad to have him on. And yeah, I thought it was really good. And, and I'm really looking forward to, obviously, now people have heard it, but people to hear it and to promote it. Absolutely. I've always seen him at Braxton Plugged and I've never. Went up to talk to him because he's always mobbed by people. I can't imagine why, because he's so nice, clearly. <laughs> like, everyone wants to talk to him. He is super nice. So um, oh. I think he convinced me to either buy Comanots or buy Aftermath. Or both. Or both. Or finish. I think I might want to finish Stuff Fables now because I know I have an expansion to look forward to. Yeah. No, I hear cool. you. But yeah, so that's it. Um, I don't know that we had a lot of more board game or video game news pop up uh have you been keeping track of uh marvel united with simon uh i have been keeping track of that a little bit i think they're close they're closing in on a million dollars right added a new pledge uh what was the new pledge that i did not see it's a 90 dollar pledge oh what is in the 90 dollars? it pledge? includes the um infinity gauntlet the expansion right expansion yep. into your pledge okay. instead of having to add it on okay that's nice. Um, and then they added a playmat for 25 bucks, which is a neoprene playmat. Okay. It looks incredible. That's very cool. And then we unlocked She-Hulk, Carnage, Venom, Today, and then they added Howard the Duck at the end. Howard the Duck is the current one we're looking to unlock. Um, I actually canceled another Kickstarter so I could wow. put, put that money towards... Uh, this game because I think I'm actually really going to enjoy it the more I reflect on it. Gotcha. Very cool. Yeah, I think it's it's still set as a remind me, so we'll see what happens. I think I'm going to end up getting it. Um, now that they have the $90 tier, I might, but then of course I'll want the mat, so we'll see what happens. But it looks cool. I'm excited about it, and they're definitely making quality progress on it, so hopefully everything shakes out nicely with that. Hopefully everything in China continues to improve yes. and production can resume it's not looking on games. Good, no, <laughs> yeah, it's true. Well, the numbers have spiked in the past couple of days. Yes, uh, they have. So hope, <laughs> hopefully things get better there for sure. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and round things up. We didn't ask for any emails or questions this week just because we knew we were recording super early and we wanted to make sure everything worked out with our guests before we did that. So yes. uh, no questions from listeners this week, but you always have the ability to submit questions if you like at Board with VG on Twitter or Board with VG at gmail.com. We would love to get them. Um, and obviously every week we like to leave you with a well-rounded life recommendation, something we're into that typically isn't going to be gaming related. Josh, what is your recommendation for our dear listeners? Hey, watch this show. It's called Lego Masters. Uh, it's hosted by Will Arnett, Lego Batman himself. It is on a channel that I couldn't tell you because I watch it on Hulu, probably uh, Fox. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Um, I think that's right. Yeah, I think it's on Fox. I'm not sure. Uh, so I watch it on Hulu. Uh, uh, it's it's uh, quirky, to say the least, and mm-hmm. uh, entertaining, to say the most. Do I need to do both of those? Uh, it's very cool. They do a lot of different things uh, with the series. I don't want to... I literally don't want to spoil anything because they do things so differently to an extent from a reality show that if I told you what they did differently, it would ruin that surprise if you haven't watched it. Um, and it's like there's small surprises, but it's just different. Uh, every contestant on this show will be the quirkiest person you've ever met in your life. <laughs> it is so bizarre. Uh but my like I I'll sit there and watch with my wife and she'll make a comment about how like I'm gonna say quirky I don't wanna say weird because that's like an insult. She'll make a comment about how quirky one one group is because they do it in a groups of two and I'm like sweetheart I'll look at them all they're in a group show right now every single one of them is <laughs> just as quirky as the next group of people. <laughs> I know there's no such thing as normal. Uh-huh. Um, but if me and you are the baseline for normal, there's not a single normal person on that show, <laughs> which makes it very interesting and entertaining and fun. Um, but because there is a because it is a reality show, uh-huh. there is a a duo that I cannot stand, but I know that they won't get eliminated because right. of ratings. So. Uh, there's always that bummer that you have to kind of realize reality shows are a little fixed. Uh, when you see the small, <laughs> small writing at the end of the show where it's like, elimination decisions are done in conjunction with producer feedback, blah, 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 blah. It's basically like how the video game award nominees uh, are, are, and winners are picked. <laughs> oh, gosh. Here 90%, go. 90% sorry, 10% of the view of the votes are accepted. 90% is on the judges. <laughs> Sorry, sorry, video game awards, but I mean, <laughs> come on. <laughs> uh, yeah, so yeah, Lego Masters, uh, check it out. It's very fun and it's uh, digestible. Yeah. Um. So m- for mine this week, it's gonna be a little different than usual, and it's slightly game related. Is it's gaming adjacent? I'll say. Um. I don't want to signal boost this people si- signal boost this person. Not that I need to, because they're way more famous than we are. Uh. But yeah, I just want to well, say. Do you know that actually, though. I factually know okay. that. I okay. factually know that. Uh, so, listen, if you do something and it doesn't go well, it's okay to just say, wow, that didn't go well, and move on. Yeah, for there, sure. There's no need to, just because you don't get angry about something, doesn't mean you don't care about it, and doesn't mean that you don't want to get better about it. And in fact, I would say if you get angry about doing poorly at something, that probably is something else that needs to be addressed. Anger does not equal caring. Correct. They're not the same thing. And if somebody tells you that is uh, not true, they're just wrong. So it's okay to be passionate about something and to care about something and have it not go your way and not get upset about it. Now, there are times in life where you might get upset about it, and that is okay too. But just note that wanting to be better doesn't have to include anger. And I think in this day and age, uh, that might be a more important lesson than ever. So just think about that when you're doing stuff. It's okay to not to be great at stuff. It's okay for things not to go your way and to be okay with that. But say, hey, I still want to do better. But you don't have to be angry every time things don't go your way. 
I think you're right. I think that what you're saying is people, well, I I would add on to it as a person who has felt anger. Usually your first instinct isn't to subdue your own anger. It's to show other people how much better you are than them or that it isn't affecting you. Right. And yeah, I mean, the most important thing is to, it's not easy to do in the moment, but if you can uh, consciously consciously remember the past times you were angry mm-hmm. and what you did wrong, if you can take what that is and make it a teaching moment for yourself, you'll you'll feel better. When you make someone feel bad, you feel good for a minute. Right. And for me, I feel bad for years afterwards. Right. So yeah, I think you're 100 percent right, and that's a great that's a great recommendation for a, a well-rounded life because I don't think people think about that that often. Yeah. And like I said, anger, totally natural human emotion. We are all going to feel it sometimes, but you don't need to feel it every time. And that does not, anger does not equal caring. They're not synonymous with one another. Just remember that. All right, Josh, what do you say we wrap this show up? Thanks for joining us, everyone. In addition to finding us on Twitter and Instagram at Board of 3G, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Board of 3G. Uh, so feel free to give us a five-star rating over there. And do me a favor, just let me know, are you still on Facebook? Because I just saw they're <laughs> updating the text size to larger, which uh, maybe makes me think that only old people some older people are using it and maybe not our listener base. <laughs> um, no offense, Kevin Austin. Uh, also, if you want to communicate in the more long form, or you're just not feeling social media, please feel free to email us at boardwithvg at gmail.com. We tag our stuff with hashtag boardwithvg, so please use that hashtag as well on all social medias. And whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you to give us that stellar rating we request. Uh, whether it's the, <laughs> the Nice Tower Network feed, the Play Some Video Games feed, or our very own standalone board with video games feed you can find me on playstation network and why so serious oh my gosh that's how tired i I messed it up last time you got it this time yes you can find me on playstation network and xbox live i'm just glad i caught it at why so serious that's s-i-r-r-i-u-s i should have kept doing it and just spelled out xbox live instead of serious um kyle where can people find you so you can find me at all the usual places twitter instagram playstation network xbox live board game geek all at psychocross c-y-c-o-c-r-o-s-s huge thank you to jerry hawthorne for joining us this week it was a pleasure to have him on uh listeners remember um, the metaspring contest is still going on uh so if you want to enter for a chance to win some awesome prizes just head to bit.ly slash metaspring that is b-i-t dot l-y slash m-e-t-a-s-p-r-i-n-g all lowercase all the rules everything you need to know will be there go check it out we'd love to have your contest entry it's one of our favorite things we do so please join metaspring as always if you have suggestions for future topics be sure to reach out to us on the social media because we want to talk about what you want to hear about and remember everyone whether it be board games or video games never stop gaming